Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. I want you to turn, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the day of Pentecost. And um, Acts chapter 2, we're going to read just a couple of verses. And, and um, what I love about today, what, what it represents is that our God that promises, he always comes through. And so Jesus, when he was working with his disciples, talking about how he was going to, he was going to put, be put on a cross, die for the sins of the world, resurrect in three days, ascend into heaven. But he said, I won't leave you as orphans. I won't leave you by yourself, but I'm going to send you the Spirit. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as a guide through life. And, and the beauty of the Holy Spirit is that it's not just a, a guide that we have to necessarily follow, but he's a spirit that comes inside of us and changes who we are. Changes our nature. Um, I don't know about you, but there's some things about myself that I wish weren't weren't there. Is there anybody that can agree with me on that one? You, there's some things that, that I struggle with in my daily life that I wish I didn't struggle with. And so this promise of the Holy Spirit is much more than an event. It's much more than an occasion. It's much more than a story. But this promise fulfilled, like my wife said, is life-changing. But it will only change the life of the person who is willing to experience and surrender. Because if we are unwilling to surrender to the Spirit of God, then we will never fully experience the Spirit of God. And it will always be religion to us. It will always be um, something weird to us. The Bible says that those who are not filled with the Spirit or are not of the Spirit, to them the things of the Spirit are foolish. And so if we're unwilling to surrender to the Spirit of God, then every time God moves or He does something or He touches somebody or something happens that God is doing, we're going to look at that and say, that is foolish. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life calling the things of God foolish and missing out on what, could I, what I truly could experience from Him. That, can these bones live? Let's get into it. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Because when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly they came, there, there came a sound. Somebody say a sound. I've, I've not done that in a long time, man. It's good to be back together. A sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now let's stop right there. Imagine somebody comes to you and tells you, man, we're in the room. Let's picture this today, right here today, okay. I'm, I've, I'm almost positive I'm going to spill this water. But let's picture us in the room today, and one of our church members comes up to you and says, man, I was praying the other day, and I heard a sound, and it was a mighty rushing wind. What would we say? I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah, sure you heard a sound. Are you sure it wasn't your, your, your speaker or your phone? So they heard a sound, and it filled the whole house. Imagine this happening today. Then there appeared to them. Divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we can we can go back on forth back and forth on what you think that means, but the reality is this: is that they were all filled with the Spirit. Each one of them that was in that room that was willing to be a part of that was filled with the Spirit of God. And this moment led Peter, the one who denied Christ, and this is where he talks about nature. Peter once had a nature of being a, a coward. 
a nature of, of, of following the, the, the crowd and not wanting to be caught with Jesus because that would mean persecution for Peter. But it, what happened? He denied Jesus. So this same denier, this same fearful disciple is the very one who stands up on the day of Pentecost after being filled with the Spirit of God. And he goes and he preaches to people that are calling him foolish, who are calling him drunk, who aren't really understanding what's happening. And what happens at the end of this story is we see that 3,000 people came to know Jesus. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God fell, one man stood up and believed that God can make a difference in 3,000 individuals. And it happened. Because he was filled with the Spirit, his nature changed. The sound. Somebody say, a sound. Now let's jump to Ezekiel chapter 37. And we're going to read a lot of scripture today. Is that okay? Well, it doesn't matter because I'm going to do it anyway. No. <laughs> Reading a lot today. Ezekiel chapter 37, and, and bear with me, I need glasses and I refuse to wear them again for whatever reason. So I'm always like, you ever skip a line and you wonder why you skipped it? That's me. All right, 37 verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out of the spirit out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very Dry, And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to, to prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise or a sound. Somebody say a sound. And suddenly a rattling in the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, I was looked the sinews and the flesh upon them and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these that they may live. So they heard a sound and felt a wind. Does it sound familiar? Suddenly there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Suddenly there was a sound and there was a mighty rushing wind. In, same, in these two different stories, we see somewhat of the same experience. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet. An exceedingly great army. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, that you're a promise keeper, God, that you don't. You don't give us promises and then turn away. But, Lord, you promised us the Holy Spirit and the same Holy Spirit that we've rejected. Lord, that this, the body of Christ even rejects. Lord, we don't reject you anymore, God. But we invite you into our church, Lord, that you would touch our lives. Lord, I pray that this message would not be my thoughts or my opinions. But, Lord, let it be led by your spirit and founded in your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. See, there's, there's often these questions that, that will challenge our faith. These questions that in the moment don't seem too easy to answer. See, when, when the Lord asked Ezekiel, he said, can these bones live? Ezekiel was, was with the children of Israel who were actually in a place of exile. They were in a, a, in a season of captivity. 
And although Ezekiel was a prophet, he was still in exile. So God is challenging Ezekiel to see something good in a dry place. He's challenging Ezekiel to see that there is possible life even amongst dead bones. He was challenged to see something good. And I I believe today we have a question that is posed to us by God when we look around around the world and all that is going on. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed with how much has happened in the last few months. I was praying, God, what is happening? You know those moments you wish God would open the heavens and just give you a clear answer? Didn't happen, but you know what I'm talking about. And I was praying, God, what is happening? What is going on? But I believe God is posing a question to us, and he's saying, can these bones live? Can, Can you see something good even in this season? Can you see that God can still move today? Can you see that God is still good even when things are bad? Even even when things don't make sense, God can still do something. Do you believe that a move of God is coming? Do you believe it? I feel like real real old school Pentecostal right now. I I feel it, man. I don't this that's like that's where that's that's when I where I came from. Old school Pentecostal, baby. It's I'm feeling it with me, huh? All right, let's keep let's keep moving. I I, I can't get distracted. I gotta get through gotta get through the message today. If we believe, we ask. If we believe, we press in. If we believe, we pursue. If we believe, we cry out. It's not good enough just to say, I believe God can do something if you have no part in asking for it. I I believe that God can move, so I'm crying out that God would move. I want to encourage you today, if you've been crying out for God to do something in your life, don't cry out once and quit. If you've been crying out for God to give you a breakthrough in your life, don't cry out once and quit. Keep crying out to God because he hears you. We talked about this, I believe it was last week, that Daniel prayed. And what happened? That prayer was delayed because of something going on in the spirit. And the angel came came to Daniel and said, listen, the moment you prayed, God heard. God hears you. Don't give up. We believe that God is going to do something in this season. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that I, I feel it. I just feel it in my, in my soul, my spirit. I just feel there's something coming. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. Acts 2.17, and it shall come to pass in the last day, said God. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old, your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. These days are coming and I, I can't wait. But can I say that it just took one to believe. It just took Ezekiel, this one prophet. All these dry bones. This one. There was a lot of people in exile. But there was only one prophet. There was only one man at this moment that believed what God was saying. And he says, can these bones live? This one man by himself said, oh, Lord, you know what is he saying. Basically, God, if you, if you, can, if you say you can do it, I know you can do it. 
So this one, it took one man to believe that God could bring the dead bones to life. It took one man to believe that 3,000 can be added to the kingdom of God on the day of Pentecost. Can I say that we have more than one person who believes that God is going to move on the earth today? That we have more than one person that says, God, you can and you will, and I'll be a part of it. It just takes one. I know I'm crazy enough to believe it. Are you? Oh, this is a good message today. See, right now in these moments, our faith is challenged. Can you see something good in something bad? Can you see life among the dead? Can you see it? Do you think it could happen? Well, God, if you say it can happen, then it can happen. And what I love about this story is that it, this, this scene, this prophecy, this vision was in the middle of a valley. Ezekiel 37, 1, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit and set me down in the midst of a valley and it was full of bones. For Israel and the culture, I think even today, it was, it was a shameful thing if you were not buried. It was a shameful thing if your bones were left there in the open while you deteriorate. De I'm, I'm not going to try. I'm going to stop right there. You know what I'm saying. While you wasted away. It was a shame. These bones should have been buried, but the fact that they weren't buried and they were laid out was a sign of shame. The fact that they were in a valley was showing us the hopelessness and the brokenness of Israel. The valley was a representation of a dark season. I don't know, but I feel like we may be in a dark season. It was a representation of their troubled moment that in the valley, in the moment of darkness, in the place of despair, not only were they in the valley, but in the valley they were full of shame. Not only were they full of shame, but in the valley they were dead. This took place in the valley. See, God finds us all in the valley. Every one of us, when we have experienced the love of God, we were not found in a good place. Can anybody agree with me? I, I know for me, I was a pastor's kid. I looked okay, but in my spirit, I was dead. And God found me in the valley. Ephesians 2.11 says, Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. He's reminding them. At one point. You were hopeless. You were dead. But when Christ came. He met you right where you were. Right in the valley. And there was this moment of awakening. I was watching Star Wars. Any Star Wars fans here? Yes. I'm not alone. My son Lucas, he's one. He's only one, and he just loves to watch Star Wars. He just, he can't say it. Right. He said, I'm not gonna. Say, yeah, he's funny, but he likes it. 
and I was watching it, and I was, I mean, you remember the, the very first one when they were really good back in the day? And um, the very first one, Obi-Wan Kenobi's with, with Luke Skywalker, and he basically is telling him, man, you could, you could become a Jedi. And I was watching it, and I was like, man, there's that moment of awakening. Like, you mean I, I, I could have more than this? Then I can, I can actually make a difference? I mean, there, there's a, Luke, Luke is always looking. I'm on a tangent. I'm talking about Star Wars. But Luke was always looking at the, um, what was going on. And it was, a, man, like one day I want to be a part of that. One day I want to. He was just like, he was, he was cool with just being like a rebel, um, a rebel, I don't know what they're called, like a, a pilot. He was cool with that. He didn't know he was going to be a Jedi. Um, <laughs> this is way off. But <laughs> you're like, okay, where are we going here? Where are we, where are we going? But there was this moment of awakening. Like, man, I could actually do something. And I believe when God, when we encounter the Spirit of God, there's like this moment of awakening. Like, you mean I can do more than just go to church? Like, God finds us in the valley. And the thing about the valley is it, it gives us this perspective that because I'm from the valley, I'll always be in the valley. Like, I'm in a really bad place where God found me, but because he found me here, he probably just wants to clean me up a little bit and leave me here. And I'm okay with that. But can I tell you that, that when God finds you in the valley, he has no intentions of leaving you there? That when God finds us in our place of brokenness and sin, he has no intention of leaving us there. Some of us are just okay with being forgiven. And listen, I get it. I'm grateful. I'm grateful, but I don't want to waste the power that God has given to me and say, you know what, God, it's cool that I just barely make it to heaven. My God, what a waste of a life that we would just barely get there. I don't want to just barely get there. I want to, I want to at the end of my life, I want God to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You took what I gave you, and you did your very best, and you, you talked to people, and you loved on people, and you did beyond what you were called to do. You talk about potential. When, you, when it comes to the spirit of God, you can never reach your full potential because God can always use you for greater and greater and greater works as long as we are surrendered. But there's a moment of awakening in the valley that says, that God, you're telling me that I can actually live. You ever have those moments of life where you feel like life is just going day by day. It's mundane. It's boring. It's like, okay, I go to work. I come home. I go to work. I come home. I pay the bills. I, I save. I pay the, it's like, man, is this all that life has to give me? But then you have this moment of awakening where God says there is more. There is more. Say it with me. There is more. We're all timing. Our timing is off, but that's okay. There's a moment when you're in the valley and your dead bones begin to rattle. And your dead bones begin to, begin to feel some sense of life. Like, man, you're telling me. But although God doesn't intend to leave you in the valley, he doesn't have to bring you out to restore you. See, God never took the bones to the mountaintop. It was never, okay, Ezekiel, what I want you to do is I want you to get some kind of, uh, get a bag or something, put all the bones in a bag, take them up to the mountaintop because nothing good could happen in the valley. No, no, no. He said, hey, you see this valley that you're in? You see these dead bones? I want you to prophesy right here. 
I want you to believe right here. I want you to, to, to see that there could be life right here. You don't have to get out of your situation to have life in it. Listen, we, look, at, look, I know we're like praying, like, God, when is, when is the nation going to change? When is it going to get back to normal? I don't want normal. Normal's boring. I want something greater. But we, what, you get what I'm saying, right? We say that when, when is it going to be over, God? When is, when is COVID going to be passed on? When are these riots going to stop? And when is all this going to be done? What if God is like, no, 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 no. Prophesy right now. Say something right now that even in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the darkness, that something good can still happen. Can I tell you that God does his best work in the valley? God does his greatest work in the darkest places. Amen. Let's bow our heads. No, I'm kidding. We're not done yet. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkest did not comprehend it. Jesus came down in a, in a place where there was a people that were oppressed. He came down in a season when it was dark. That's when Jesus showed up. And it says when he came, he brought, he is the light. And when he came into the darkness, the light shined in the darkness. We always say that a flashlight is only useful in a dark house. Right? You talk about being the light of the world. Are you waiting for it to get brighter to be the light? Are, are, we, are we waiting for things to get better before we can actually start being the light of God? Maybe God is like, man, do I have to let it become darker for my people to, to finally become the light? Would it, I don't know. I'm not saying he's saying that. But now, if there's ever a time where the world needs a light, it's right now. If there's ever a time where the world, can I say I get Instagram posts are great, but there's more than that. And I get, I get posting on Facebook, and it, that's great, but there's more than that. And I get there's, there's a sensitive topic going on. I understand it. But can I tell you the remedy to racism is the Holy Spirit? I get it. We could look. At, I'm not saying don't talk about it. I'm not saying don't 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 understand each other. That's not what I'm saying. But when people say all you got to do is talk about it, no, 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 because a talk can't change the heart. It may change the actions. It may change what we do, but it can never change our heart. The only one that can change our heart is the Holy Spirit. That is the only person that can change the heart of a person. But this place that we're in is not meant for shame. It's not meant to give up. It's meant to see that there's still something good, that God can do something even today. But even in these moments, you see, the bones came together but they weren't necessarily alive yet. I, I, I call it, they were, they were breathless bodies. They were breathless bodies. Ezekiel 37, 7 through 10. I'm not, I don't want to read the whole thing. I just, let me see if I can find the spot. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I, as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as they looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, 
over, but there was no breath in them. And then he said, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived. And stood upon their feet in exceedingly great army. He's saying, look, I've seen the bones come together. I've seen the the muscles and the tendons all joined together. I saw them covered in the flesh and covered in the skin, but they were still dead. So, So the Lord told me, he said, prophesy to the breath to come in and into the dead body. See, we can be put together, but not alive. We could, we could look whole. We could look like we're whole and everything's okay, but inside we're really, we're really dying. And inside we're really dry. We can be physically fine but spiritually dead. We could, we could act like everything is good and we could do all the right things, but that doesn't mean that our spirit is whole. Breathless bodies. You know what I look at as a breathless body? A person that is so bound by religion. You know what I look at as a breathless body? Is the Pharisees that were in the, in, back in the days with Jesus when he was actually touching people's lives. And all they could do was look at the law. And all they, could, they never wanted to talk about mercy. They just wanted to talk about the law. This is breathless bodies. Christians that look good but are dead. Well, we're, getting in, we're, we're going today, all right? I love you guys. This is, look, I just, I just preach what he puts in my heart, all right? Matthew 23, 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. This is a Christian without the spirit. We can be put together but not alive. Oh, I don't want to live that life. You know who gives Christians a bad name? Those who are put together but not alive. The breathless bodies. You know who gives the church a bad name? The breathless bodies. You know who gives God a bad name? The breathless bodies. Why? Because they operate out of the flesh and pretending to be in the spirit. Breathless bodies. See, see, see dead trees don't bear fruit. Well, how do I know who's dead? Look for the fruit. Look, I'm not trying to judge people, but if there's no fruit on a tree, it doesn't take a lot of judgment to see that. Dead trees don't bear fruit. So you say, well, how do I know if I'm spiritually dead? Where's your fruit? Oh, man. Lord, Lord. Ooh, come on. Let me see how much we have left. I need, I need some music to bring the emotions up here. All right. All right. My wife is not in here, huh? Oh, no. David, could you come and play, please? You're om- like, I, I love you, David, but I just love my wife. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> All right. Matthew 21, 18 through 19. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree weathered away. This fig tree had leaves. Now, I guess there's significance to that because it looked like it, it should have fruit. 
But when Jesus went and said, well, I'm going to take some of the fruit to satisfy, well, I, I, I can't get the quote exactly right, but when, when Jesus is meeting with the woman at the well and the disciples say, have you, have you had any food to eat? And Jesus says, I eat from, the, from food that you don't understand. See, there's different things that satisfy Jesus. So when he went to the tree and tried to get fruit from it, it looked like it should have fruit, but it didn't have fruit. So what did he do? He cursed it. Not because it looked dead and was, oh, not because it, God, no, I'm just kidding. Not because, not because it looked dead and was dead, but because it looked alive and was dead. So he cursed it. Now listen, we're going to jump down to a parable in verse 33. Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. And he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when, vin when, when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did, the and they did likewise to them. Then the last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and leave his vineyards to, the, uh, to other vine dressers who will render him the fruits in their seasons. Then Jesus said, have you, have you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in, and, excuse me, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruit. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Pharisees, the religious. Who did he curse? The fig tree that looked righteous but had no fruit. Dead trees don't bear fruit. Dead Christians don't bear fruit. People that are not spirit-filled don't bear fruit. Being filled with the Spirit, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, or faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control. And those, verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh and with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. It's not good enough to just come to church on Sundays and try to be a good person. That's not good enough. Not just in the sense of it's not good enough for God. It shouldn't be good enough for you. Because that life is boring. It's pointless. I, I'm, we're going we're gonna to move here. I'm basically done. Those that are walking in the Spirit walk in these fruits, but they also walk in power. Those that walk in the Spirit, and I want to I stay on this, they walk in love. I've, I've never been really one to, to talk on the, the, the things that are happening in the world. I like I, I do my best to, to, you know, there's always different opinions and all these things, but, but I, see, I saw that video of, of George Floyd, and, and man, it just, it just broke my heart. And what frustrates me is that there's Christians who justify the killing of the person in any scenario. Don't we understand that we all deserve death? Every single one of us. We all deserve punishment for sin. Yes. 
But I was, I was watching this video, and, and honestly, I couldn't concentrate the week, during the week. I, I just couldn't focus. It was just, it was just it was a rough week. And I, and I remember thinking about this and, and thinking about how there's, there's different opinions on this. And I'm like, man, how, how world-changing would it be if Christians would just walk in love? And instead of trying to justify things and figure things out, if we just love people, man, I may not agree with you on everything, but I can love you in everything. I may not agree with all of your stance and all things, but a Christian, the greatest thing that we have to give is love. Jesus says, they're going to know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. That's how they'll know. This is how the difference will be in our church. It's not our, our worship, although it's great. It's not the preaching. It's not any of these things. The difference I want in our church is that when people come, they feel loved. They feel loved. I'm ending right here. Last is a, a great army. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. See, there's a difference between an army and a crowd. There's a difference between just gathering to a church and being the church. When these, these bones came to life, they weren't brought to life for nothing. They were brought to life to become an army. Just like these bones, the day of Pentecost that fell on the 120 in the upper room, they were not empowered or brought to life for the sake of just living. But they were empowered and brought to life to establish the kingdom of God on earth. They were empowered and brought to life to bring others into this kingdom. They were called to be witnesses. To be witnesses of what God had done and what he will do. When God brings you to life, he's not calling you just to be a church member. He's calling you to be a witness. He's calling you to be one who would tell others about what God has done and what God can do. Listen, church, we're not gathering as a church just to have, you know, goosebumps on a Sunday morning and, oh, I felt God, praise the Lord. But what do you do on Monday? What do you do on Tuesday? How do you treat your family? Man, husband, how do you talk to your wife? Do you talk to her like you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? We're called to be witnesses. Well, who is a witness? Let's do this. Acts 1, 4 through 8. We're done right here almost. I promise soon. Eventually we'll be out. Yeah, we'll see. One through four, one, verse, or chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Somebody say wait. wait. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. <coughs> Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the time or the season which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, wait, Jerusalem. So who receives this Holy Spirit? 
It's the one who waits on him. Who's a witness? Who's, who's a witness for the Lord? It's the one who's willing to wait. The one who's willing to say, God, I got nowhere to go. I just want to experience you. That's the one that can be empowered. I believe the scripture says there was 500. There was 500 who heard him say this. There was 500. There was more who saw him. Why was there only 120 in the room? There was 500 people. 120 in the room because the rest of them weren't willing to wait. What does waiting mean? Waiting just doesn't mean just sitting there. It's about prioritizing him. Pentecost was an occasion where people would come together, celebrate what God had done, and recommit to him. That was Pentecost. Pentecost was before this event. This event just took place at Pentecost. This occasion was a, was, a, was a moment in time where you remember what God had done and you recommit to him. Waiting on the Lord is prioritizing him and saying, God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll go wherever you want me to go. My life is yours. And see, there was 500 and there was only 120 in the upper room, but that 120 absolutely destroyed and changed the world. Destroyed the work of the enemy. But why? Because there was one man who was crazy enough to believe can these bones live? Can, can the dead, can the spiritually dead in our neighborhood, in your family, in your jobs, can these bones live? And the one who receives the spirit is just crazy enough to say, yes. Yes, they can. Because God, if you said it would come, we hope that you enjoyed this message for more information on our church you can follow us on instagram and facebook at ReclaimTX, or check us out on our website reclaimchurchtx.com thank you for listening